I'm Jeff Cook. And I'm TJ Wilson. And this is Around the Circle. I'm walking slowly. The Enneagram is a map of the human personality. It's a tool for navigating relationships. It creates language for what motivates us and helps us look at the way we look at everything else. Most importantly, the Enneagram is a mirror because sometimes you need help seeing yourself. My name is Jeff Cook. I'm a philosopher in Greeley, Colorado, and with me is TJ Wilson, businessman, lover of theology, and Enneagram ninja. Hello. My man. Hey. Did you you just do that thing with your eyes closed? Oh, a little bit. That whole opening slate? I, I, I got it down now. Nice. That was <laughs> After <impressive>. three years. <laughs> Think, speaking of three years, if you were to go back in time to our very first uh, episode that is presently on our feed, uh-huh. it would be on the topic we're talking about today. Oh, really? Interesting. We did a phenomenal podcast on stance, and uh, we went through relationships and how everybody's type in stance, coping style, and affect, how they relate with other types in those places. I believe you. I have no memory of that, though. That was so long ago. It's one of my favorite series. Nice. I was listening to it uh, in preparation and thinking to myself, gosh, I, I knew a whole lot more back then. Sure. But, but wisdom says that as you learn more, you learn more about what you don't know. That's it's true. So. What it actually was, was I actually prepared for that podcast, and today I'm winging it. <laughs> <laughs> No, I'm actually back in the day, I would spend way too much time in books. And now it's like we just need to get down all the things that are in our brains on tape. Right. The foundation is a little more stable this this time around. We actually know what we are doing. Man, if you go back to those early podcasts, the intro goes, the Enneagram is a map of the human personality. Uh, right. It's a very slow. <laughs> like, <laughs> I tell myself every time I need to, I need to crank it up, crank it up, need some energy. Anyway, stance is what we're talking about today. Stance is one of the basic topics. Uh, we talk about it all the time, obviously, but I we haven't done a definitional, like real deep dive into stance for for many moons here. Right, and we're actually going to go much, much deeper than we have in the past, and uh, going to be looking for lots of overlap. Uh, with some of the other topics that we've spent a lot of time on, and it's going to be good stuff. We're hoping uh, hoping that this comes across fresh. Nice. So, this is going to be a whole series, right? It will be a series. The series on stance. It'll be uh, a complement to what we did with affect a couple of months ago. Excellent. And good news, our approach to this particular series is going to showcase our personalities. Yeah, that is for I'm, sure. I'm ve- I'm very much in the moment right now in, in this material. <laughs> And I'm hoping that it all comes back to me. It's going to be fine, right? It's going to be amazing. <laughs> Actually, we I, we have been doing prep with this topic uh, on our monthly online gathering. So the fine folks who, who come, uh, who show up and uh, want to talk about themselves, we, we do this once a month. You can find links to it at aroundthecircle.org. Uh, once a month, we get together, chat with about 20 people about type, about their type, about how they see the world. And, and uh, over the last uh, few months, we've been 
talking about relationships and stance Mm -hmm. and lots of great stuff. So I'm excited to share. Yeah. They've been, they've been very useful and and valuable interactions for us, at least I hope so for all the people who come. Yeah. If you want to join us just again, around the circle.org, click on events. It's uh, the first link at the top, I believe. Great. Love the image. You see this throughout nature. You see it throughout a lot of human reasoning. Uh, there, there is, uh, and especially in psychology, there is how you take in the world, and then there's how you engage the world. And those are different, and they're very important. And when we bring up stance today, it's the latter. It's how we engage the world. Giving a name to how your type engages the world, real helpful. Oh, yeah, for sure. And also recon- like recognizing that it's different from how you take in information is also yep. super important. I don't know if other folks are like this, but I often have an expectation that other people will engage the world the way I do. Not only see the world the way that I do, but also will react to my needs. For example, I'm a reactive type. I want you to meet me in those spaces where I'm giving you energy so that you can give me energy in return. And not everybody's like that. That is correct. And I, am, <laughs> I imagine. <laughs> do you ever do you ever find that you would really like folks to pause a little bit more? Oh yeah. As Th- this is one of the things that like th- this I think is one of the places where you can see it most clearly that like there there are nine different types. There are different lenses, and and we all expect that everyone sees the world the same way as we do. And and this this engagement, this this way that we we put ourselves back out into the world or or not uh this is so different and we so easily expect that the people around us are very similar to us and they're just plain not and yeah this is a source of a lot of conflict i think amongst people that that we expect that other people are going to do the same things as us and they just don't Long-time listeners will be familiar with these ideas, so I'm just going to fly through the definitions real quick, but we're going to really use uh, our time to unpack these. Uh, stance is about how we get what we want in the world, so it's the breathing outside of our personality. Some of us get what we want by being aggressive, by being assertive. Those would be types threes, sevens, and eights. Some of us are more reactive. We earn the things we want. Those would be types ones, twos, and sixes. And then some of us withdraw to get what we want most, and that would be fours, fives, and nines. That's the pretty much the big idea. How do you get what you want in the world? However, there's a handful of places our personality is affected by how we're getting what we want in the world. We're going to have some blind spots, what is often called repressed centers. For some of the types, threes, sevens, and eights, They are repressed in their feelings. For fours, fives, and nines, they're action repressed. And for ones, twos, and sixes, they have a harder time doing productive thinking. Uh, It's also the case that those who are aggressive have more of a future orientation toward time. They are future problem solving to get what they want. Whereas withdrawn types are often in the past. They're using past tools to get what they want. And reactive types are in the present. They're engaging the present to get what they want. And those are some of the bigger elements of stance. And we're going to talk about how those overlap with with all the rest of our Enneagram type. So 
that's the my brief skinny. Anything anything to add there that you think is important? Yeah, I think that uh, this is the stuff that Jeff just listed. The the you just listed is is pretty like this is boilerplate kind of like this is what stance is and also you could you could stay here and just do stance work for the rest of your life there's so much here within our stance that like that if, if you didn't want to do anything else with the enneagram but focus on stance you could and you could just stay here all your life you'll never fix it and and you'll there's always going to be work to do here and i think this is such valuable and interesting and and it doing the work here is can change everything about how you interact with the world because this is one of the most foundational spots for that like for how you come out to the world right to build that out a little bit let's just talk about those three triads Aggressive types, reactive types, and withdrawn types. Starting with the aggressive types, three sevens and eights are often quick thinkers who are focused on doing. Uh, they often get bored or impatient with other people's feelings. They are often concerned with their own spheres, their own projects. Uh, one Enneagram scholar calls these the moving against people, and it's because of their feeling repression, that they don't do productive feeling within in terms of their own emotional life often, uh, or that's the place that they have the hardest time. And that often means that the feelings of others are also in last place. Uh, what, what comes to your mind with aggressive types? Well, and, and another way that I'd say that is that the three sevens and eights often do not understand the effect that they have on other people. And, and that's, that's, comes directly out of that feeling repression. Uh, they're they're not engaged with the feeling center as a as a useful intelligence center as a way of understanding things in the world. They want to do stuff and they want to think about stuff. They want to make a plan and go do the plan. And and feelings sort of get in the way of that. Their own feelings, particularly, and then other people's emotions is like you can you can be emotional about it later. Let's just do the thing so that we can get it done. They want to move forward. Continue, like they want to continuously be moving forward because their focus is on the future. And so feelings get in the way of that. Feelings are something that you have to stop and process right now. And we, we can't get things done if we're talking about our feelings. So let's just do the thing and we can deal with our feelings later. Right? Right? That makes sense. And it usually, it sometimes means that they can be steamrollers. They can be bulldozers. They can uh, literally not know that they are saying and doing things that hurt other people because they are moving forward with the things they want, they have thought about doing. Yeah, I think Sean Palmer called these, the ins like they move in spite of other people was was his reframing of that. Mm -hmm. I thought that was, that was helpful. There is an element to aggressive types where they believe they should be able to get what they want. And if people are in the way, they are not necessarily obstacles. Uh, they can, or they don't necessarily need to be reacted to. They are obstacles. They can be dismissed. Right. And he, even I, I'd go a little bit further and say that, that these types believe that they can reorder the world according to how they think it's supposed to be. Right. And, and in that way, they are, they'll move pieces around like a chessboard because the, 
they want things to be a certain way and and they have the power and the will and the ability to do that and and sometimes the things that they're moving around are people this means they have something of a demanding posture a assertive posture toward getting what they want and what they want is comes out of their their center so threes threes want attention they're going to be assertive and aggressive about getting it Mm-hmm. I heard one three uh, this last week say that I get what I want or I reframe because what is desired there is the attention. So even in the reframing, it's I can take control of reality and spin it and you know speak about it in a way that other people believe it so that I get the attention I desire. Right, right. Yeah, it's... A, a, a lot of threes might even say it out loud that like, tell me I did a good job on this. But more importantly, the thing that you can notice with threes is that they are going to perform at a level that gives gets them the attention in a public kind of way. Like it, it they they're not the ones working behind the scenes. They're they're the ones that are out front and and doing the things in invisible ways because they need. They they demand, if you will, that that attention is being paid to them, and so they have to be out doing the work in a way that that is visible. One of the things I want to do throughout this podcast is tie some of the stance to some of our shadow side, and you can see it right here with the threes. That in seeking that attention, if it's not gained in the way that is desired, or if reality, you know, if if the three has actually lost or not achieved the thing they want, there's another way to still look amazing. And that's to deceive yourself and deceive others about what has actually happened. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's easy to, to say, Oh, this actually wasn't anything that I did. Here's all the reasons that led up to what happened that makes it seem like I failed or here's why it's someone else's fault. Like that, like, Turning the attention away, sort of rewriting that history is, is a very common tactic for threes. And it, it's all about making sure that I look successful and I get the attention for looking successful. And if I have to, you know, fudge a little bit on, on what actually happened, that's okay so long as I look great in the process. Moving to sevens then. Sevens are proactive types. They are first movers. They are instigators. And that's coming out of that stance. There is the idealism of sevens and uh, the desire to to push into the new, the omnivorous side of delights and experiences that sevens naturally crave. Uh, You got thoughts on sevens and their aggression? Yeah, I think that... um like a, a lot of sevens will express that like, you know, l- life is meant to be lived and, and you can do whatever you want. And why wouldn't you just go do the things that you want to do? And, and anyone who has any kind of reason why they can't, which can come from any of the other types and, and particularly the stances involved there. But if you want to do the thing, just do it. And, and the rest of us are like, well, but I have like, you know, bills and family and all of this stuff. And, and sevens use that sort of aggressive energy to say life is meant to be lived. Go live your life. 
And if you are being held back by the, these other things, that's on you because you have the power to just go do. And that's sort of the mindset that sevens come from. You can see the dark side there for sevens. The gluttonous side of sevens may may come into focus more in terms of, again, kind of a voracious appetite for right. more and more and more. Right. And, and that the fear that they're sort of like the big fear I think they're sort of running from is that, that idea of being stuck of, of not being able to get to the things of, of having something holding you back from living your best life. And, and if so long as you are never bound to those things, then you always have the opportunity to chase your dreams. And, and I think that, that scheming, the, the, like the future planning kind of, of mindset that can, can really keep sevens from being present to the people around them. Like that, that is where it's from. It's from wanting to make sure that you always have the opportunity to go do the things that you want to do. This is the place I wanted to bring in feeling repression because the, the feeling repression for three sevens and eights is going to color a lot of their shadow side in yep. exactly that way. That because some sevens haven't done business with their emotional life, specifically the negative emotional side of themselves, haven't um, done the hard work to really wrestle through and unpack some of the places where they're in pain, it leads to the shadow side of, uh, of, of their mental life. The, the, and, and sevens will know that scheming isn't always healthy, you right. know, always thinking about tomorrow, always wanting to be somewhere else, always planning for the next thing that can be a, a way of avoiding truly important things in their, in their lives. Yeah. Right. And I think that, that seeing that scheming come out, it's, it's not just about like making sure that you have something in the future. It's also changing your experience right now in order to make sure that your future remembrance is mm -hmm. positive. So, so we talked about reframing with threes. Sevens also are big reframers, but sevens do it in real time. So sevens might actually have a very different memory of a shared experience. Like Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving, went really badly last year, but the seven doesn't remember the bad stuff. They, while it was happening, they sort of rewrote a new memory so that when they remembered it in the future, it wouldn't be unpleasant. So they remember all the good stuff. And while the rest of us are like, somebody punched grandma, the seven's like, I don't remember that happening at all. I remember the food. I remember these things. I remember, you know, we had a fun debate about something, but I don't, I, I must've been out of the room when grandma got punched. I imagine most sevens would figure out a great story oh, about yeah, heck grandma yeah. getting Nobody punched. Nobody would forget <laughs> grandma getting punched. That was a terrible example, but <laughs> you get what I'm trying to say. No, it's when, uh, when the dog died of cancer over Thanksgiving, that mm, was mm -hmm. that gets set aside. Yeah, uh, the feeling repression. You can see the feeling repression there with sevens. Just to backtrack for a second, talk about how feeling repression works then for threes, and you know, creating vanity in their mind. Well, I think that's about um, like like we were talking about 
sort of broadly with these types, the, the feeling repression for threes has so much to do with the efficiency. It's if I need to look presentable, if I need to look successful so that other people will notice that I look successful, then I can't ever fail. And, and having feelings looks like failure. It looks like you don't have it together. It They're messy. They're inefficient. They're, they're, you know, you, you can get stuck in feelings. Feelings are hard to deal with. I will put my feelings on a shelf so that I can deal with them later when it's, when it's safe and nobody can see me doing it. And in that way, I'm actually going to sort of ignore my feelings so that I can just present the most successful looking face. I think that's one of the big ways that, that threes have experienced feeling repression. And then yeah. because of that, they aren't really engaged with the feelings of other people. Like because other people's feelings are even more messy than their own. So we're, we'll be, deal with that later. Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, to step it up a bit, truly unhealthy threes may allow vanity to color their minds so significantly that the feelings of other people simply don't have weight anymore because of course you're so amazing. And right. so you can step on anyone to get the goal that you prefer. Right. Yeah. It's, it's all about the prize and the prize does not include someone's feelings. Right. Uh, lastly, eights, the assertive side of eights comes out in first making sure that they feel like they're not vulnerable making sure that they have control of situations, making sure that they're not going to get hurt by anything that's out there and the energy that's resonating off of, of eights, you know, creates those environments where they can feel comfortable and they are going to demand that they feel comfortable in any room that they enter. Yeah. Right. And it, the, their energy is large and in charge and, and they, they want to make sure that they can never be taken advantage of, never be controlled. They they don't necessarily need to be in charge, but the energy that they bring to things is, I will not let anyone take control over me without my consent, and therefore, you're going to have a hard time pushing me around. That's the energy they bring to the table. Both threes and sevens can kind of get what they want again by the reframing or by the, you know, spinning it with this um, enthusiastic energy. Mm -hmm. Eights don't generally bring that right to, right. They, to the I'm going to get what I want. Yeah, side they're, they're not going to convince you. They're just going to do it. Yeah. Yeah. And hopefully you're on board. If not, it doesn't really matter. The feeling repression that is targeting things out there for, for eights ends up materializing, you know, what it's, it, it mixes in with their anger. And oftentimes human beings, real human beings can be obstacles. One of the really great things about bludgeoning other human beings down is it sends a signal to everyone else that you're not to be messed with. Right. And eights vengeance, they're, they're the way that their mind can spin on how do I retaliate for those who have done me wrong, or even how do I step on those who appear to be obstacles in my life uh, towards getting what I want is, is, a, is the shadow side of this type, yeah? Mm -hmm. well, I think there, there's, there's so much about... There's some people who propose that eights are actually the most 
fragile. Don't be mad at yeah. me, eight. <laughs> uh, but but the 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 thing inside of them that they are protecting is actually the most vulnerable of all the types. That's that's sort of the idea out there, and and so the the gate that they build to protect that the the wall for their secret garden is is so intense to make sure to, to sort of off balance that, that to counterbalance how fragile and vulnerable that inner thing is that it's often the case that they forget how, how vulnerable that thing is and, and just identify with the big wall with the, the strength coming out with the Cerberus guarding the, like this, this, really intense energy making sure that nobody can damage them on the inside and and when that energy is is coming out it it lashes out in a way that that is not just unaware but sometimes even disregarding the feelings the way that it affects other people right the sense of vulnerability is so severe and nobody wants to nobody wants to live in that space convert that energy into that aggressive anger Mm -hmm. that can really push outward and establish clear delineations and boundaries. Right. Well, there's also uh, a good reason to believe that most eights sort of, they have funneled all of their emotions through an anger slash passion processor. Mm -hmm. So, so everything that they feel, it starts as anger and and their their feelings because they're they're it's not just that their their inner self is vulnerable but they're also extremely passionate and and because they are trying to protect their feeling center the way that that passion comes out is is in anger it it, it hits to to vengeance like this is where lust lives for them it's their their emotions are are they're there but it's all sort of put into one of these two categories, high anger, high passion. Like it's an intensity of feeling, but they don't necessarily really know what those true feelings are. Right. I was having a conversation with my oldest uh, yesterday who was, who said they thought the sins that were closest in kind were actually gluttony and lust the sin of the seven and the sin of the eight. And sure. they wanted to further make the an illustration. I'm going to butcher this, but I thought it was clever. The, the gluttony is about wanting 31 flavors. Lust is about wanting the best single scoop of ice cream on a gold platter with a diamond encrusted spoon to, mm. to savor it from. Yeah. <laughs> I thought yep. that was really clever. Yeah. But the, the intensity of experience, there's again that I keep coming back to eights as bats, that there is a, a real radar that, that is taking place in what I experience as the heart of an eight of if you have intensity of experiences, you know where you're at mm-hmm. and you can think about what, whether or not you're vulnerable in that situation. But until you get that feedback by hitting the world, you you will intuitively feel uncomfortable. Sure. Yeah. That's why spectacular ice cream helps. Actually, I'm like, <laughs> that was a stretch to get from here to there, but I I, I can see the I get know, it. Yeah. In, it intensity of experience. That's yeah. Any, anything, final, final thoughts on, well, actually, I got a final thought. On aggressive types. As we're talking about feeling repression, this is why 
we routinely talk about the mantra, if, you, if you're just going to do one thing with the Enneagram, it's to do stance work. What is being said there is you have a repressed side. So three sevens and eights uh, don't do productive feeling. And if they really want to do the hard work that's available to them with the Enneagram, it's going to be here. Mm-hmm. It's going to be really doing hard work to have a vast vocabulary about your emotions, being able to spell those out, experience them, embrace them, even when they're uncomfortable, and allow your your emotional life to really have weight in your in your full self. Right, right. And as a result of fully engaging your own emotions, or at least beginning to fully engage your own emotions, you'll start to become better at understanding others. Right. Which is, is, is another big part of the goal. It's not just that you're not in touch with your own. It's that you also do not understand others. I mean, the, the thing that's interesting really in my experience of those who have done hard work on their repressed center is they become like the best of people. Mm-hmm. Threes, threes, sevens, and eights who actually care about your emotional life do so in a way that, in my experience, is beyond anyone else I can name. Right. Like right. They're, the, the intensity moving toward caring about how my heart and inner life are, when I hear that from three sevens and eights, it's just a delight treasure, and it's pretty unique. Right. Especially because... Like bringing that that center, bringing that feeling center more in line with your other two helps bolster all of them. So like the like the and and they start to feed each other better. Like like set three sevens and eights as counselors. Like as if they've done the work, they can cut to the heart of the issue so much faster than other types because they're they're there to get problem solved mm-hmm. but once they've done the emotional work they can recognize the problems easier than the rest of us because they're also really fast thinkers and their their whole thing is about solving the problems moving forward yep i suppose to just go around the circle real quick on that some of my favorite people when they comment wisely on things in the world are ones twos and sixes mm-hmm and in, and in my spheres, I'm surrounded by fours, fives, and nines who I love working with. And when they engage and really get after it, or, uh, create some of the most incredible things out there. Yeah. Brings us to the reactive types. Uh, reactive types, ones, twos, and sixes, sometimes called compliant types because there are those, some, some scholars want to say these types are defined by their compliance to the demands of others or to their superego. I personally, as we've said a handful of times, much prefer reactive because I think that these types are present focused in their stance and are seeking to earn what they want by responding to what they're given by their environments. Uh, These types often take responsibility for making other people's lives better these types uh, often have kind of an anxiety about how other people perceive them and because they want to meet other people where they're at to get what they want. And as 
was just said, they can have their, they can have a difficult time getting their heads around uh, the problems in front of them. They are thinking repressed. Uh, what comes to your mind when talking about reactive types? Yeah, one of the other uh, big words that is used in this uh, for these types is dependent, uh, which I really like and Jeff hates. Um, but I like it because to me it communicates that that these types can't exist in a vacuum. It's not that they are uh, necessarily beholden to other people, like they can't live without uh, someone else taking care of them, but but they the the reactive idea is is similar to this in the sense that like they they don't know how to behave to act to to move in the world apart from the things that they are reacting to they are dependent on something to react to in order to to navigate and and so like that thinking repression means that there are uh their verbal processors there and and you don't verbal process with no one you verbal process to have someone repeat back to you the things that are important about what you're saying so that you know how to think about it and and this is this is why i like the word dependent i think there's there's a much more sort of necessary intertwining with these types that, that they have to be reacting to something else, to, to um, the movements of other people, to, to the behavior, to, to the way the world is, to, to something happening in their house that they have to fix. It's, it's, all of it is about reacting to something that's happening to them right now. Yeah. Because of this, heavy focus on emotion and intuition for these types. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes, the ones, twos, and sixes can be the ready, fire, aim sorts because of how they engage the world. Right. One, one set of folks, commenting on ones, twos, and sixes, said when they enter a room, they have a sense of superiority. And I don't know that this would be obvious, but ones, twos, and sixes believe in some sense, you know, the one I can order what's here. I'm here to help. I'm going to order what's here. The two, I'm here to help. I have the ability to, to elevate what you have. And the six, very aware of, you know, are they part of the right group? And all of those have kind of an elevation of self in the spaces. Mm-hmm. And that is an emotional, intuitive way of being, it seems to me. Right. That phrase, I'm here to help, I think is the key to understanding that idea of superiority. It's it's yeah. it's not just that I think I'm better than you or, or whatever. It's that you need my help. I'm here to help and you need my help. And that's where that sort of... It, and I, I'm also sure that most ones, twos, and sixes would go, no, I don't think I'm better than anyone. And they, they just need my help to live. And it's like, well, that's... That's what we're talking about. So, this is what stance is. It's how you get what you want in the world. And ones, twos, and sixes are earners, right? And have to have a belief that they can earn the thing that they want most. I suppose, right? I'm good enough to get your attention. I'm good enough to be brought into the group and find my place here because this is a secure place. I'm good enough to order the world as it should be, right? Let's start with ones. I'm a one, as some of you know. Thinking repression for ones, I think, is a is a worthy place to go because 
ones, because they have a hard time doing productive thinking, when their strong intuitions come into focus and they feel like they understand the world around them, they will quickly manufacture systems to ensure that the system does the work of thinking for them. Their strong intuitions about the world are an infusion of energy and um, and perspective. It's not a it's not a deductive perspective. Often, it's more of a this is how things should be, and so let's and so ones can often put in into place systems. Those systems do two things: one, they channel the one's energy into the world to make it better, but it also gets channeled inwardly. If they become convinced that this diet is the be-all, end-all of their body being healthy, don't need to think about it anymore. This is the diet, and it's on paper, and I have a strong emotional connection with it. You know, And I might even be prescriptive with that diet. Everybody should have this diet right? because uh, I'm here to help. Yeah, there's a... Um there's a real sense of black and white thinking that we're sort of touching on and that that's very, very present with a lot of ones. It's that there, there is a right and there's a wrong and it's, it's easy to see because there's no gray. It's just black and white. And if this diet that I've decided is the right thing is in fact the right thing, then it's always the right thing for all time. And it is the thing that we get behind. And, and like you build a system out of that because there's no space for gray area because of the thinking repression. Um, one famous one talks about whenever he gets overwhelmed with the world, he cleans his bathroom because that's one thing that he can control. And this is like, this is a system. This is something that he, he does not have to think about the things that are going wrong, the, the ways, the nuance of what is wrong in like, everything that he's trying to do he just he he knows where exactly where all the cleaning products are what they're for how to clean everything like that this system can essentially shut off the brain and just like do something that makes you feel good and it's cleaning the bathroom there's something about the controls good here earlier we talked about how eights have strong emotions regarding their own vulnerability Ones have really strong emotions about their own flaws and perhaps like perceived toxicity. They, I think ones experience their inner life as really needing to be put in check. Mm -hmm. They might say something wrong, do something wrong, infect everyone else. And so the, if I can have the system that oversees my inner life, if I can be good enough, then I'll be comfortable in the world. And that's where the stance comes in. They're earners. And yep. sometimes that can be a very individual experience for ones. Maybe not as much for twos and sixes. And maybe this is why compliant and dependence doesn't work as cleanly in my heart because I think ones can be earning, but really it's it can often start with themselves. Right. Yeah, there's, self there's things that need to be fixed about myself, and I will enact the system that fixes those things. Yep. 
So Plato, I want to say Plato said something to the extent of he who overcomes himself overcomes the world. It's either mm-hmm. Plato or Alexander the Great. It was one of the two. Sure. The, <laughs> one of the two. I know, I know that it's in there somewhere, that principle. <laughs> but that that posture of heart, I think, is is common for ones. If I'm good enough, then it will spill out into the rest of the world, and the rest of the world will become better because of my example, because of the goodness flowing out of me, um, because I'm grounded etc. Or even uh, so long as I'm good, the the I'm safe from the rest of the world. Yeah. Yeah. Notice then how the thinking repression comes in here, because ones, their meditations that go to the shadow side are going to be very hypersensitive to their own failures. Mm-hmm. The anger that ones can have get directed inwardly and it's an intuitive anger that something must be wrong with me. But the thinking repression is there. You can't put your thumb on it. You just feel, you know, a certain way. You feel like you're bad in some sense. Right. And then that that voice that, you know, all of us, most of us have this voice in our head that's sort of criticizing the things that we do. And, and ones, twos, and sixes have it particularly strongly. And ones typically have that voice we call it the inner critic it's the thing that's saying all of the things that you do are wrong or or could have been done better and it's it lives here it's the the inability to productively say oh actually this went really well and that voice needs to just shut the heck up is means that that voice lives and gains power and and continues to criticize and and point more fingers at the inner like it just feeds on that hypersensitivity and says let me make it worse because if you weren't so hypersensitive then you'd probably be fine (laughs) well that's where the thinking repression is yeah exactly we'll see this with the other two numbers as well uh twos who want attention because they're part of the heart triad are also thinking repressed and they are outsourcing their understanding of their own value to other people. Can't think cleanly about their own value. So Mm -hmm. I need somebody else to tell me that I'm valuable. And that way of being in the world comes from the thinking repression. Yeah. Right. Yeah. The, um, because they can't sort of discern their own value from just thinking about it, it, it has to come from somewhere and, and they've learned to believe that it comes from being useful, from being wanted, from, from people needing you around and not necessarily in a like, Oh, I need this person close to me, but Oh, this person does these things for me and I can't live without them now. And so long as the twos ingratiate themselves in this way into other people's lives, then they understand their value because their value comes from being needed. For those of us who love twos, we may have experienced this a handful of times where it's not just that the two is giving us something. They are giving us something, and it's clear that they want to feel as though the gift has been seen and felt and received and complimented. Mm -hmm. And that is about, again, a sense of getting attention, of, of, of understanding whether or not they're valuable in the world. Again, emerging from thinking repression, yeah? Right. Because uh, a well-balanced, fully mature, um, generous helper type person is never going to need recognition 
because they understand that the help that they're giving doesn't need recognition and twos can't think that way because they are unproductive thinkers because their value lies in the recognition that they get for the help that they give. To put a pin in it then here, you'll notice why we would say stance work is one of the best possible things to do. For ones and twos here, it's doing productive thinking for the one about you know their inner life and what they've accomplished and who they actually are in comparison. Um, getting a real sense of self of themselves as a valuable person really important for for ones to to find those avenues of clear thinking about themselves so that the inner critic doesn't just you know just massacre their inner life right but so too for the two of being able to think cleanly and clearly about their own value about how and why they have significance without requiring the feedback of other people who may give poor feedback or may not be healthy people themselves, you know, right, right. having a clear sense of self through doing the hard work of thinking about your own value, truly important for twos in order to be healthy in the, in that way. So that twos can, can give out of, of, you know, an overflow of generosity as opposed to out of the need to get appreciated. Right. And, and one of the other big things for twos that our, our good friend, Suzanne, her, personal mantra is that uh is what is mine to do and this is this is a, sort of a, a guiding point in her life and i think this is good for all of us but it's particularly good for ones twos and sixes and particularly especially for twos because if your if your identity is derived from other people needing you then you're gonna really work hard to insert yourself wherever there's an opening and sometimes that means you're doing things for other people that they don't actually need you to do or is not your task. When, when you are giving so much of yourself in this space, you might be missing out on where you should be giving that energy in another space. Two's families are sometimes neglected because they're out helping other people. And when, when you really focus on, when you work on that, that thinking repression and, and start to really process what work is actually mine, what work needs to be done, and it has to be done by me, then you start to recognize that you're putting your energy into spaces where it's it's just not needed. It's not yours. It's not valuable. It's it's taking it away from other people, other situations, etc. And that's all all has to do with that thinking repression. Well moving to sixes where one's thinking repression is going to be filtered through through their anger, anger itself, where two's thinking repression is going to be filtered through their need for attention, uh, the six's thinking repression will come through their fear. And it's going to be inwardly their fear that they don't have what it takes to confront the world out there, and also their fear externally that the, the world is falling apart in a variety of ways. And... Thinking repression materializes in the life of the six in their inability to see clearly the world out there and the world within. What's skinny on 
on sixes and and their stance. Yeah, I think that um, a a good way to express that is is that they they doubt everything. It starts with themselves. They they don't trust themselves to be capable and and to be able to do things that they've done before. And and all of it is because they they can't think productively about the things that have happened and what might come and what their actual abilities are. They they don't trust their own thoughts. And so, like that, just feeds that unproductiveness of their thinking. Is that, like, they don't trust things, which means they don't think about them properly, which means they don't trust their thoughts about how they think about things, and just becomes this intense cycle that starts from the inside and just pushes itself outward. And that thinking repression really comes out in ways that that doubts that they need to plan for all of the things that might happen because they can't really think about how things are going to happen, just what might. And so they need systems. They need, they need boundary. They need to know their, their boundaries. And they also are going to, you know, challenge the boundaries and the people who, who set them up in the first place to make sure like, are you safe? Are you actually doing the things? Can you be trusted? Because, my thinking repression means that I can't just rely on it. Yeah. When thinking about dependent folks, dependent, I think, is a great word for sixes because oftentimes they are, in order to combat fear, seeking first a community. Where is the communal space that I can find an anchor, stability, protection, and then the earning side of sixes comes out there. Have I have I obeyed all their rules? Have I been responsible? Have I done what's required of me to be in the tribe? Because the tribe is where I'm gaining my my security, yeah? Right, exactly. One of the real obstacles for sixes, which we've mentioned in the past, is that sixes have a very difficult time remembering their accomplishments. Mm-hmm. And this is an obstacle. Their ability to remember the past is an obstacle because it, in not remembering what has come before, there's no anchor for trusting yourself in right. your ability. If you remember that you've overcome these 28 other things in the past, that gives you some sense, well, I can do it on number 29. Right. But there's almost an amnesia there. And it's not just to your own accomplishments. It's also, is it not an amnesia to how other people care about you? Oh yeah, for sure. It's about everything. It's 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 almost as though sixes are often actively repressing. It's not just amnesia, it's that the past can't be trusted. It's this situation is completely different. So it doesn't matter if it was the same then. That was then and it wasn't exactly the same as it is now. The past can't be trusted to inform the future. That thinking repression then on both those sides, thinking repression is going inward, not not being able to think clearly about your own abilities, not being able to think clearly outwardly about the world itself, the actual threats, and perhaps what other people have done for you. And this leads to the you know the the shadow side for the mental life of sixes, which is cowardice, or yeah. what can often come out as as kind of a recklessness for some right. sixes. Right. Yeah, that's uh, like it, it. It's uh, like fight or flight is is you know something we're all familiar with, and this is kind of like like this is part of where the sixes experience the world. It's it's they they 
because of that thinking repression, they either freeze and can't do anything and just get stuck in that the unproductive thinking spiral, or they shoot out because they they have to do something, and and it's it comes without thought. It's just action to to just do something. But TJ and I offline have had a, a string of uh, discussions about how important it is to name the instincts for sixes and phobic versus counterphobic. But here you can just see that it, it kind of washes away and doesn't matter because mm -hmm. the root is is the same for, for sixes of all sorts. Right. The root is I'm not able to think clearly about my abilities and trust myself. Right. So stance work. Stance work for ones, twos, and sixes ends up being all about how are you doing productive thinking around fear, anger, and shame. Yeah. I think we're going to build next time more on the orientation to time here, but you can see it with ones, twos, and sixes here as well as their engagement with the world is all present. They're using right. that those present tools to engage their fears, to engage their anger, to engage their relational anxieties. Right. It's all about what's happening in front of me right now. Like that's that's the earning, the dependence, the the thinking repress like not being able to think about the future or appropriately think about the past. It's all about the present moment. What's happening in front of me right now. It's reactivity by its nature is is a now exactly kind of way of being in the world. Yep. Mm. Last triad is the withdrawn triad, this is fours, fives, and nines, or what some might call the action repressed triad. Uh, we could just skip these and go take a nap. <laughs> we could. <laughs> Do you have the energy to, to tackle, to, to okay, build a, a, yes. a philosophy here? So long as you're dragging me along with you. Lots of emotion and mental life is where, where these types live. Not so much in their, their bodies. And so that's going to be a lot of daydreaming, fantasies, a lot of retreating into inner spaces. One thing that you said in an earlier podcast, which I, uh, caught me fresh this time, was that force fives and nines will often be the sorts of types that solve their problems on their own. Mm -hmm. And I yeah. thought that was real interesting. Yeah, yeah, because uh, the we're we're not going to push against other people like three sevens and eights in order to solve our problems. And we're not going to, to require the, the interaction with other people like ones, twos and sixes, uh, like the withdrawn stance, like that nature is about not letting other people, other things sort of dictate how we manage whatever's happening. I think it's especially for nines in terms of dictation of, others. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. The pulling back into oneself, into that carefree space, or that for nines, for the cerebral space, for fives, or for the romanticized space for fours, that's like a what? That's an environment that yeah. withdrawn types will enter into to get what they want. Yep, and that's what the stance looks like. Is it's a it's a moving away, oftentimes, in order to achieve uh, control, in order to achieve a sense of security or perhaps to retreat for fours to retreat, to reassess and think about one's own interior life mm -hmm. and give yourself attention. Right. And I think there's, there's also an element of, um, 
sort of stepping back and and desiring for the the others to come with you in order to like let let's let's stop doing the things let's stop thinking about the things let's spend time on our emotional space and that's that's all I want to do and that that is still a retreat yeah even if it's a desire for other people to come with you right enough of me talking about me what do you think about me mhm <laughs> yeah <laughs> well the action repression's going to then come out in the the sort of fixations, the shadow side of of these types, um, start with the fives on this one. Fives are using past tools because they're fear types because they can you know envision what might go wrong. Fives are going to pull back and really be aware of the the resources they have. They're going to ensure they've they've perhaps had a bad experience and will never let that happen again. Right. But it's not going to be like a force, like like an eight. An eight's never going to let it happen again because they're strong. Five's not going to let it happen again because I learned that lesson, and I'm going to position myself, my resources, and you know my body in such a way that the bad things don't occur again. Yeah, right. And and I think also um, there's a there's a heavy sense of um, dependence uh, of understanding of dependent of a focus on dependence for fives whereas they like part of that this retreat is about not wanting to be dependent on others not wanting to to need something from someone else and i i think that all sort of stems from that thing that happened in the past that they're they're working to avoid it and and make sure that they're prepared for any future if i don't have desires then I can't be attached to those desires. And if I step back and disengage from the world, from the, the life out there, then I can't have desires. If I can be unaffected, and, and this is we'll see this in a big way with nines, it's sort of the opposite problem for fours, but if I can be unaffected by the, the world that's happening around me, then I won't be harmed by it. Feels like some of that language, uh, just to this may be for the cutting room floor, but feels like some of that is a pushing into your security number for the five of not wanting to be affected by the world. Like they're they've processed the fear, they've embraced the tools, but what they really desire is to not be affected by the world, which which seems eightish to me. I think uh, well, with eights, they come at it with a, a more aggressive posture. They're going to change the world so that it, it doesn't hurt them. Uh-huh. But fives withdraw. It's they, they, they become an observer of life rather than being engaged with life. The root there then isn't about being controlled by the world, but it's about that the world might do damage to you. Right, hurt you. Right, it's it is the it, fear it's, side. Yeah, the desire is to protect yourself from being harmed. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I, I always kind of circle back to Warren Buffett forever for whatever reason. When I come to fives, I heard him talking about the car he owns, which is which is like fifteen years old. He can buy sure. any car he wants. Why do you buy this car? It's because it's reliable. It's, it's the heaviest car mm. that he could find. And because it's so heavy, it ensures that if someone were to hit him, he would have the best chance of avoiding the accident. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Makes sense to me. He, 
And you know that highly, dude's done his research. He owns an auto insurance company with a with a gecko as a spokesman. Yep. <laughs> yeah, that's a thing. Well, the action repression then for fives, as, as was mentioned then, can lead into somebody's mind as a, as a kind of stinginess. That's not mm-hmm. what's taking place here with the car, but, but it certainly can be in terms of resources, as we've talked about, um, ideas, finances. Uh, there's all sorts of things that fives can hoard, uh, their own energy. Right. Uh, you want to talk about fives and action repression there? Yeah, the um, I I kind of want to compare like the hoarding, the the greed, the the kind of like drawing things to yourself and keeping them that fives do. I want to compare that to the the sort of the more gluttonous. Like we talked about uh, gluttony and lust being right next to each other, and I think gluttony and greed are also right next to each other. But where gluttony wants to consume, greed wants to keep. And I think this is this is a, another exactly part of all of these things: the the action repression, the the desire to be unattached, because you can't consume everything that you get and make sure that you have enough for the future. That like the that idea of wanting to protect yourself from future harm means that you're going to collect the resources that you need and you're going to keep them some of the the world's most famous crazy rich people have been fives uh and they've been recluses howard hughes uh getty uh warren buffett is not necessarily a a recluse but but you can see by the way he lives that he is not wanting to consume his wealth he yeah he lives in omaha right uh that's not necessarily i mean that's not the center of global capitalism right and yeah and he lives in uh, the, what, like a like a tiny house that he bought eighty years ago for thirty dollars or something like right. that. Right, <laughs> it's true. But yeah. his the thing he cherishes most in terms of his uh, appetites of all things is a reclusive space. It's his jet. Right. He says it's the one thing he spends money on. Um, but it's it is one of those like I can retreat anywhere I want to in the world through right. through that tool. And he's never dependent on airlines. Yeah. In fact, purchased, uh, well, he consistently is purchasing airlines. One of the ones he purchased was of this sort where it was like a, uh, it's like an Airbnb for private, private jets. jets. Sure. Yeah. Uh, and <laughs> he routinely loses money on airlines apparently. Um, but even the focus on that as a value. Mm-hmm. You know, I find I just think that's interesting. Yeah, and like he he may his company may own a company that rents out private jets to anyone who's willing to pay, and he will not ever put his own jet into that service. Yeah, right. Despite yeah. the fact that he owns both of them, because right. this jet is his safe place, and this company could do any number of bad things. To and with his jet. Of all things, I could totally see him purchasing the company so that he could use their jets and so that it was no longer a negative on his balance sheet. Oh, sure. Because right right now his jet is a huge liability, as it were. Right, right. Yeah, that makes sense. But (laughs) But also then it's not his. Right. 
But the, right. No. Then he he's not certain that whatever is on that jet is going to be what he needs. Well, I suppose if he owns the company, he could probably do whatever. Yeah, that's probably true. Yeah. But, but I didn't, I've actually thought about this. Here's a fun fact. Berkshire Hathaway is a, was a textile company. So it's like manufacturing goods for sale, like, you know, fabrics sure. and stuff. Yeah. Totally folded. It was apparently a terrible company. Sure. He kept he kept the name and made it into his holding company. Yeah. The real money that he's made has been on insurance. His sure. acquisition he purchased Geico, and Geico. Notice how five-ish uh, an insurance company is. You know, you're envisioning future threats, and you're stockpiling a certain amount of capital. You know. For just payouts. in case you can pay out, just in case you have to pay out for someone else's <laughs> accident, but you're also actively doing everything you possibly can to not ever pay that out. Yeah. Yeah. This is that's a real thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was just reading yesterday hilarious. about like Getty had a payphone in his house that like uh -huh. anyone who came over, they had to use the payphone. <laughs> sure. And he, he would famously wait for other people to give him rides so that he didn't have to pay for a cab. <laughs> like, like, like he was so rich that there is a museum on top of a hill in Los Angeles that has his stuff. And he made his guests use a payphone. That's another, I mean, at Warren Buffett uh, put a slot machine in his house. And paid his kids their allowance in quarters. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Same story. Makes me laugh. Okay. Well, the action repression of fours is different. Yes. Quite. As opposed to being infused with fear like fives, the the action repression for fours is going to be about attention and, mm -hmm. and their own shame. Yeah. And then can materialize in their lives as they withdraw into those romantic spaces, into those spaces that I need to really, really think about uh, my heart and my emotional life. I was listening to a for this last week, and she was talking about her pouting spaces, which mm. I thought was a fantastic yeah. description. <laughs> and it wasn't, and she wasn't even talking about her own. She was actually referring to, to her dog her dog goes into her pouting spaces and it was interesting because it was like anthropomorphizing her own yeah. way of being in the world in sure. in terms of how she was understanding yeah. uh, an animal that lived with her I thought, <laughs> I thought that was so great though um the what do i need to do for myself side of fours comes out in that withdrawal I would challenge your wording and change it to uh, how do I feel about the things that have happened to me? Okay. That's what the withdrawal space is for. Yeah, I suppose if I say it, what I need to do for myself, yeah. that's an action. <laughs> Never has anything to do with what I need to do. It's I need to know how I feel. Yeah. yeah. That can be quite helpful. And yep. it gives fours the attention that they need. Fours need to give themselves attention first. That's how fours are in the world right but you can obviously get stuck in those spaces right yeah, i think uh with all these types um all, all three of these action or press these withdrawn types it, it's not necessarily about um not doing things it's about not productive doing just like with uh, ones twos and sixes are, are unproductive thinkers it's not that they don't think it's that they don't think productively 
similarly with uh, the feeling repressed, it's not that these types don't have feelings. It's that they don't engage their feelings appropriately. And, and force fives and nines don't productively act. They're, they're not productively in their bodies in the world. They don't engage the present moment in the way that their body should be experiencing things. And, and for fours, when this, like it's, it's not that they're not doing things. It's that while they're doing things, they're thinking about their feelings is that the, the, the more attractive space for their relationship is not necessarily going on adventures. It's sitting and talking about our feelings and, and having these, this sort of the, the romantic, the, the romanticize this idealistic vision of how we can be connected to each other on a, on a soul level on a, uh, like our hearts are united as one and, and we experience being together in that way. It's not necessarily about not doing it's about wanting to focus much more on the emotional and, and relational connection than on the doing connection. Right. Entering that space of meditation, you could find some really happy thoughts to think about that would be that would be grand. But the n- negative side, the shadow side for fours can be that withdrawal into their own emotions, into the past, into the experiences, into everything that's gone before and to get stuck in a melancholic way of processing mm-hmm. life in themselves and everything. Yeah. And I think it in a similar way to how eight sort of embrace their their anger in this unconscious kind of way. It's it's like feeling everything through anger. I think fours embrace their shame a little bit more than the other types who experience shame and and because this is real, because it's real, because they're they're so interested in in going to the depths of whatever is happening because that's the space that's true. They're fine with that shame because it's real. They're not going to run away from it in the same way that other types will, which again is a great example of unproductive doing. Yeah. Because I think that, that like there, there is stuff to do in your life to move yourself out of these spaces of, of, deep sadness or, or melancholy or, or living in this sort of almost emotional bubble that you're trying to draw other people into unproductive doing means that you're comfortable being in that space. Whereas there is life to be lived outside of it. Yeah. Yeah. One thing that yeah we discover from exercise or just being productive, it not only, is your body built to kick out chemicals into your physicality that affect your emotions and your mental well-being and all the rest. But perhaps as sevens have discovered, is the, the more you, you get going and out into the world, there you might find true delights that really fill you with a sense of joy. And those right. don't have to be fake. You know? Right, right. Yeah, there's, there's a world waiting to be discovered. And fours are completely comfortable looking through the broken window at it. Yeah, right. Um, that's a good word. Nines, likewise, action repressed. The action repression for nines, again, like sixes and threes, it's going to go both both ways, um, both their inability to address inner 
concerns and uh, shore up places in their inner life uh, and also to address what's most important externally. You want to talk about nines and, and action repression? Yeah, I mentioned uh, with fives that th- this idea of, of trying to be unaffected by life, and I think it, it's really clear in nines that, that we're, I identify with nines, we're working so hard to try and make sure that the things out there don't affect us in here, inside, and the things inside are kept and maintained and controlled because we don't want to be affected by what's happening around us. We don't, we, we don't want conflict. We don't want things to break or to change or to move. We just, you know, we want things to be stasis. This is an important term that you mentioned, and I, I don't know that we've like tagged it, but notice with eights, they don't want to be affected by the stuff out there. For yeah. ones, they don't want to be affected by the dark stuff inside. Mm-hmm. But for nines, it's going both directions. Right. And in other spaces, we've talked about this in the sense of uh, resistance to the present. Yeah, and I think that's that we're we're finally honing in on on how we define that, and it's 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 this not wanting to be affected by what's happening. Yeah, that's exactly it. Yeah, and and so for nines like that, like we're exhausted. We're we're the type with the least amount of energy because we're spending all of our time, our energy, our thoughts, our our mental, our our emotional life, everything is being spent trying to contain the stuff that's in here and control and hold back the stuff that's out there. That's where withdrawal really, you can see withdrawal with nines in terms of creating their, their caves, their spaces. This is my space where I'm going to retreat. And part of the retreat for nines, there is a very physical oriented um, I want to control the atmosphere into which I enter mm-hmm. away from anything that might be chaotic or pushing, you know, against my will. Right. And I think this also, you can also see it. N- nines are, are so interesting to me in this because uh, I, I've said this before uh, many times. I'm not sure if it's ever actually made it through past our, our cutting room, but like I nines sort of check out. We only listen to like a third of what's happening. And I, start thinking about something else while Jeff is talking and I don't hear what he's saying constantly. This happens all the time. And, and so it's not just that we're physically retreating, but it's also a sense of not really engaging with what's happening around us. And so like we can retreat into our minds, we can retreat into our, our emotional life. We can, we can essentially disappear regardless of what our body is actually doing. And I think that that is a good way to think about, like there are nines that are really active. I am not necessarily one of those. I like rest. I like napping. I like putting my feet up. Um, But I know nines who are constantly doing stuff and they're so full of activity that it actually causes problems in their families because they're not engaged they're they're not doing productive doing they're just saying yes to whatever comes at them and they're not really like planning or paying attention to what they need to be doing now and and in that way they're sort of retreating from the stress of saying no of of canceling things that they've already said yes to of recognizing that they may not actually be able to do the thing that they've said yes to, or they're trying to do. They're just sort of rolling with whatever's in front of them. 
huge difference there between the nine and the aggressive types. Yeah, absolutely. Or a good, that's a, a it seemed to me that description is a good, uh, here's the difference between being assertive and aggressive and getting what you want and being withdrawn and getting what you want. Yeah. You're getting what you want either way. Right. But very different tactics. Yes, absolutely. Uh, the lethargy then that comes in with nines, both in terms of, you're saying it here that there's limited energy. And so that limited energy not only is about getting stuff done in the external world, it's also limited energy in, in, in doing some interior work. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Caring for yourself. Yeah. And, and because like, like we talked about it with fours and fives, this, this idea of like using past tools and, and drawing from the things that have happened to me before to sort of inform what I'm doing now with nines that, that past sense is like, it, we know how much work it's going to be and we're not looking forward to the work of actually caring about things. So we kind of just stop caring. It's, it's easier to give up than to do the work that it will take because we know that if we actually engage with this, then it's going to draw energy out of us. It could po- cause potential conflict. It could cause separation. It could, it could ruin things. And I am much more comfortable just ignoring it and letting the world happen around me than trying to engage and do the things that are necessary. It's way easier to not care than to have to actually do the work it takes to change things. The uh, I have an uncomfortable picture that comes to my my mind here. My my mom's uh, some of you will know my mom uh, who passed a little while ago was a, a nine. Her body started to shut down about ten years before her death, but uh, it seemed to me, though, at least my encouragement to her in those last. De- decades, um, she was having a hard time just getting places. Like she was just, just became very slow and, uh, like walking upstairs became a problem in the rest, but mm-hmm. the encouragement to, well, perhaps, you know, strength training and yoga and spending some, of, she was already, she was retired. She had oh lots of time. Gosh. I am already <laughs> tired just from <laughs> saying those things. This was, I believe her, uh, response as well, but mm-hmm. it, that's what, kind of comes to my mind in terms of I one that I am you should address the problem and but I think you're entirely right here that the the temptation would be to allow things to play out as as they will because it takes less energy right or it seemingly takes less energy right takes and a also, crap ton of energy to get from here to there when your body doesn't work anymore. You know That's true. That is very true. But you can't really do anything about it at that point. You kind of just have to deal with it. Again, letting the world happen to you. Yes. <laughs> Good place to for us to land then. I mean, for all the types, it may be the case. Nines, you don't have to do yoga if you don't want to. Like, <laughs> I'm not here to should. tell you what to do. You should. But I know you're probably not going to if you don't already. You, the action repressed side is what needs to get named. Is how are you confronting the places where you're, where you're repressed, mm-hmm. and that's what stance work is. And so for fours, fives, and nines, it's yeah, a getting out of your imagination and into your physicality. And you know, and I, we didn't tease this, but for nines, you'll notice when they get into their physicality, it actually can place them in a position of experiencing their security number. And yeah. you can feel some of those 
you know, that natural elevation to three space. And for fours, it's getting into getting the world ordered and getting into your body in one space. And for fives, it's getting into your body at eight space. Those are, we don't think that your security number is your best self, but it sure does feel great to be secure. And, and the four is especially looking at these types, all three of those security points are heavily focused on doing things. Yeah. There's a triad to be had between the eight, three, one of those who really find their, their, their joy and delight and focus being achievements. Yep. Love that. Last word on, uh, I mean, I think that's a good place to land is, is if you're going to do real work with the Enneagram, best place to start is, is with shoring up your repressed center. We, in fact, did a fantastic episode about that a little while back. The, uh, the steps episode? It's in our step series. Hey, you know what? If, if you can't fish through the 150 or so episodes that we have on the Around the Circle uh, podcast feed, you know where you can find our steps uh, material? Yeah. Is there some sort of website or or we have place a place where it's all collected? We have a second feed. Ooh, we have another podcast feed. The Start Here podcast has a has all our steps. Um, I definitely remember doing this. <laughs> <laughs> it's we could we created the Start Here podcast. Just put into whatever search engine Start Here Enneagram podcast, you'll find it. It just has three series. It's for for uh, some of the beginner step, um, you know, introductory material. But I, our step series is one of my favorites in terms yeah. of just how do you use the tool? And one of the episodes is, you know, shore up your repress center. Right. Or stance work, I think is what we called it. Sure. Same thing. Um, tomato, tomato. But doing stance work, we give a handful of examples of like how you can do stance work. So for like thinking repressed numbers, one thing is just having places you write things down. You need right. to journal. You need to get your your thoughts on paper so you can see them, feel them, intuit them. That can be incredibly helpful. And we go through, here's what action repressed numbers should do. Here's what feeling repressed numbers should do. And uh, well worth listening to. Agreed. We have a, a third podcast, in fact, which we just started, which is called Movie Typing. If you would prefer to get into more of the flesh embodiment of the types, see them in on the big screen. TJ and I are both movie nerds. We have about 40 episodes of going through some of the greatest films that are out there and talking talking shop. Right. And some, you know, less great films, but <laughs> they're still in there. <laughs> what we just fit, we just wrapped the intro to that, and I had so much fun listening to you complain about Will Ferrell's Sherlock. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, terrible. Some some terrible movies. Some things are terrible. It's fine. A lot of great movies. If you have yet to give us some stars, it means the world to us, and it makes it much more easy for others to find our work if uh if you would give us a review on itunes or stars on the spotify uh this is incredibly helpful um for for us being able to continue to do this work and as we said earlier if you want to hang with us we meet together once a month on zoom you get all the links to all of our stuff including those zoom links are at aroundthecircle.org 
So I got, you got anything else that uh, needs mentioning? I got nothing, man. He's TJ Wilson. He's officially awesome, and he needs to go pick up his daughter. That's and true. I'm Jeff Cook, <laughs> and who you aren't just isn't interesting.